to the WOW podcast. I'm Clarice and I'm with Alastair, who has cooked up the rich soup of people and ideas that you find in a newsletter. Hi Clarice, nice to be here. And yes, it's been fascinating researching this week's uh, news roundup. I've learned about people paying to plant trees to repair the damage they've done to the environment by taking a plane to fly on holiday. I've heard about animals that have been saved from extinction including one that was rediscovered in the forests of Vietnam years after people thought it had actually died out. I love the story about how an idea from Brazil is giving hope to young people in England. And there's one about the angels of the high water. Those are youngsters who are racing to the scene of uh, a flooding in Venice to rescue ancient books and other treasures in the Italian city. Great, but are you able to tell us a bit more about this edition? and how the team at WOW goes about finding out about people solving problems in the world. Yes, I can, Clarice. Uh, though actually I thought that this week I'd talk mainly about what we left out. Maybe some of your listeners think that we spend our time hunting for these really rare stories of good news to bring to people in WOW. And I guess that might be a reasonable assumption when you look at what makes the news in other parts of the media. You mean there's so much bad news everywhere? Exactly. And yet, once you start looking, as we do at WOW, there's a lot going on that's more positive. Before I talk about what we left out, um, let's just take what we put into this edition. We've got that story about what's called the carbon offset. That's a way of fighting global warming by putting money into projects that can reduce the amount of carbon we put into the air, causing climate change. Now, there were a lot of headlines this month when a big airline announced that it would make all its passengers pay a bit extra in their tickets to do this carbon offset. The airlines are under pressure because climate campaigners are pointing out that when we fly, that burns a huge amount of fuel, which puts, puts more carbon dioxide into the air. So more and more airlines are pushing passengers to pay for schemes like planting trees. That's because trees do the opposite of planes. They need carbon dioxide to grow, so they suck out of the air what the aircraft engines have put into it. Mm, that's great news, right? Well, up to a point, Clarice. In fact, there's quite a bit of argument about how effective many of these carbon offset schemes really are. We think it's positive that people are paying much more attention to how we live every day and how that can affect the planet. Um, but to come back to what I was saying about the stories that we leave out of our newsletters, I was also inspired, apart from the carbon offset, by loads of other things that I found out about people trying to reduce the amount of carbon being produced by the airline. Yes, in the newsletter we talk about a group of students in Holland who are trying to build a plane powered by hydrogen instead of oil. Exactly. Hydrogen engines, which give off harmless steam instead of carbon dioxide, are just one area of research for all kinds of transport. Cars, for example, but also planes. Researching for WOW, We've come across people working on other solutions too. By one count, that there are about 200 projects now underway to build planes powered by electric batteries. And in England, they're expanding with, experimenting with solar-powered trains. Really? There's enough sun in England to power a train? Ah, well, not really. Uh, but it's a really interesting experiment where the researchers have found that they can use the space, uh, empty space along the railway tracks to put up solar panels. The electricity that those panels generate then gets fed into the power grid, which drives the electric trains. So it's a contribution, but not all the power that the trains need. However, 
It's also interesting that Indian railways, which are huge and are also working on solar power, and they have a lot more access to sunshine than the English, they in India have uh, been fitting some trains with their own solar panels. That doesn't provide enough electricity to drive the train still, but it does generate enough to provide lighting and other power to the passengers. Is making transport cleaner the main way that people are finding ways to stop global warming? Well, it's certainly important. Uh, we should remember that all types of transport together contribute about 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions. That's mainly carbon dioxide. Now, I was interested this month to read about people coming up with new ways to power various other industries in ways that make less pollution. It may sound odd, but did you know that 7 or 8% of all the world's carbon dioxide emissions come from the cement industry, which makes the key ingredient in the concrete we use for most of our buildings? I didn't know that. What was good to hear was how various projects are underway to find new kinds of cement and new ways of making cement that give off less of this CO2 gas. Another story that we didn't have space for in the newsletter was how a company in America has announced that it's found a way to generate really high temperatures that could be, for example, used to melt metal and just from sunshine. Basically, they managed to set up a complicated array of movable mirrors controlled by computers to reflect the sun's rays onto a single small area. Now, at the moment, all sorts of industries, especially making steel, other metal products, they use lots of polluting fuel to create really hot furnaces. But this project managed to get an oven up to a temperature of 1,000 degrees Celsius. Now, that's five times hotter than the kind of oven you have at home for cooking. And it's about a fifth of the temperature you actually get on the surface of the sun itself. Now, it's not quite as hot as the blast furnaces used to make steel these days, but the man who runs the company said that some uses for the system would be to produce cement in a cleaner way and also to produce pure hydrogen. And that, in turn, could be used in engines like the one we mentioned earlier, which the Dutch students think could make a clean aircraft. So the announcement of the successful solar furnace experiment is certainly grounds to think that energy from the sun is getting more and more useful. Mm, I think at this time of year, it's easy to forget the heat of the sun here in Europe. It's nice to remember it. Ah, yes, that's right, Clarice. It's uh, pretty cold these days. Mind you, it's not as cold as it was for Nims Purja. For who? Nims Purja. He's my other favourite story of the month among the ones we didn't have space for in the newsletter. It's a cold story because Nims has spent a lot of this year at the top of the world's highest mountains, where there's permanent ice and snow and not really enough air to breathe. And why did he do that? Well, Nims is a record breaker. He wanted to show that ordinary people can do extraordinary things if they organise themselves well and really put their minds to it. So Nim comes from Nepal, the country in the Himalaya mountains between India and China. And in just six months this year, Nims climbed to the top of all 14 of the world's highest mountains, including the tallest, which is, of course, Mount Everest. Now, the, all those mountains are in the Himalaya region, and they're all over 8,000 metres high. Now, when you're up there, that's 8 kilometres above the level of the sea, mountaineers call that the death zone, because the air contains so little oxygen, the gas that our bodies need, that you can't really survive for very long. Now, before NIMS, the least amount of time that anyone had taken to climb all 14 of these 8,000ers, as they're called, was nearly 8 years. So his achievement was just astonishing. Now, learning about his feats, I was really touched as well by how Nims, even though he was on this epic race against time to get a record, he took time off 
to divert from the goal that he'd set himself and take part in not one but two rescues of fellow mountaineers who got into difficulty. And we really like this comment from Nims who said, I hope to have proven that anything is possible with some determination, self-belief and positivity. He said, I knew I could inspire people from all generations across the world. Great stuff, Nims. Haha, that reminds me of someone. He sounds like Eliud. Yes, you're right, Clarice. He does, doesn't he? Remember uh, Eliud Kipchoge, the marathon man from last month? He became the first person to run 42 kilometers in less than two hours. And his quote was, I don't believe in limits. Well, that's a bit like Nims. He also had a slogan for his adventure in the high Himalayas. His record attempt was called Project Possible. <laughs> it sounds like it's been a good month at Huawei finding out how much is possible. I'd say so, Clarice. It's very exciting. And we've also, in this latest newsletter, decided to organize our stories to show how the people we talk about are contributing to really important challenges that we all face. Would you like to tell us about the United Nations and the Sustainable Development Goals? Yeah, sure, Alastair. I think most people know that the United Nations is an organization that's based in New York and it brings together all the country in the world to try and take decisions that can make life better for everybody. A few years ago, the United Nations agreed on a set of 17 goals or targets that are important to reach if all the people in the world are going to live well and happily and that the planet won't be damaged. So these goals include things like making sure no one is really poor, helping every child in the world to go to school, finding ways to stop wars and to stop damaging our environment. Quite right. And what we're doing now in the newsletter at WOW is to flag up which of the 17 goals, which are called the SDGs, are being helped by the people and projects that we write about. Now, each goal has its own colour and its own logo, and tracking them is a good way to see where we're making progress. Now, of course, some stories involve more SDGs than others. You may spot that the item on World Children's Day, which was on November 20th, if you didn't celebrate it yourself this year, that referenced fully nine of the 17 goals. Now that's because kids really are central to all this. We're going to be charting our colours in the months to come. Fantastic. Thanks, Alastair. Well, that's all about we've got time for in this edition of the podcast. We look forward to catching up with you all next time. Until then, enjoy your reading, have fun and stay positive. Thank you.